It's April 20th, 2016. This is Idle Thumbs 259. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Pregan. I'm Jake Rodkin. Hey, guys. Hey. 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 Nick and I played Dark Souls 3 <laughs> this weekend. Yeah, yeah, you guys streamed a thing. It's the first time I know. <clears throat> there's been a stream in ages. Yeah, almost <clears throat> a year. It's almost been a year since there was any activity on the Idle Thumbs Twitch channel. Since yeah. the Danielle days? Yeah. Uh, with Danielle and Sean, I think, both streamed Bloodborne. Okay. For a while, like a yeah. year ago, yeah. So apparently, we only stream from software games that make us hate ourselves. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, we played for what five hours? I guess. Yeah. Yeah, we played for five hours. Nick pretty much played. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I ended if, up. If you missed this and would like to watch it, you can find it on our YouTube channel at youtube.com/slash idle videos, or you can find the Twitch version of it at Twitch, which is where we streamed it at twitch.tv/slash idle thumbs. And uh, I think we'd like to do more mm-hmm. streams again. Uh, we used to do them. Nick, you and I especially used to do a bunch when we were living together. That we did that those was Crusader really King streams. And then, yeah, in the old Little Thumbs office, we did the Crusader King streams. Um, this was really fun. You made a lot of progress. I don't know if you made a lot of progress <laughs> or not, but it felt like... You played a lot of Dark well, Souls. It felt like you learned a lot and got a lot better at Dark Souls. I mean, for one, you handicapped me severely. <laughs> throughout the process of that by feeding me drinks uh so that that helped you uh sure but then also we fed all of our points into the luck stat uh which was a choice (laughs) (laughs) i mean what in an rpg uh you have to assume that's going to be a hindrance but i think in this case especially (laughs) we realized what a disaster that was yeah stream viewers were like violently angry well some of them were very i'm retroactively violently angry (laughs) it seems like a good choice you'd be really lucky well that's what we thought yeah we kind of were apparently it was like coincidentally the actually most worthless stat yeah like legitimately just throwing points Into well, the toilet. I mean, like in in a Fallout game, luck actually factors into the combat. In right. this game, it's just you get a tiny like percentage chance of finding an yeah, item that's, that's better. It. Maybe, yeah, yeah. So it just does nothing. Also, for your actual our character play started with luck as his lowest stat anyway, which meant that even after pumping all mm. of your souls into it, all he still game, wasn't very good. It was still just yeah. like fine compared to your lucky. other stats. Yeah. yeah. For a man with a green face, he should have been luckier. <laughs> True. <laughs> Not. Not really fulfilling the promise. No, so I like we we played this on the stream and got probably further than we should have. I would guess yeah. based yeah. on how destroyed we were as a character and as a as a human. But then also, um, I played some afterwards and then realized, yeah, what a mistake we had made <laughs> because oh, that. With can, luck? Oh yeah, because yeah. I mean. Well, like I, for instance, I watched uh, my girlfriend Janelle play. Um, like she played through the f- basically the stuff that we played through, uh, like the first, I guess, two three bosses, mm-hmm. and she just picked like warrior class, and then just started putting all her. She did the thing you do: you put all the points into into like vigor, which gives you like more health. Yeah. Her health bar was like twice the size of our health bar <laughs> on the <laughs> second boss. See, I think that that made for a good stream though, because you had to. Sure. By the time you beat that three boss, you had to basically be perfect at it. That's Not perfect. I mean, you took hits, but like you had to really yeah. execute on that fight. Oh yeah. I will actually. You know what? It was nice because I got some people tweeting at me saying like, "Man, I played Dark Souls three, you know, all the way through, and then I watched your stream and realized some stuff about bosses I didn't even know. So now I'm replaying it and yeah. And bl- so now I'm putting it all on luck. <laughs> right? Yeah. No. Now I've realized what I need to do. Yeah. Be dumb. So I have a question for you. Um, I think <clears throat> the thing that that 
you suffered from the most. Um, it's worth saying you, even though you're the one who's playing. I always want to say we, but I didn't do shit. Mm. Um, but it, it, the thing that you suffered from the most, I think probably, and chat would probably agree, in addition to the luck thing, which is, that was sort of a weird pseudo troll on, on our part, but uh, was like lack of patience and sort of stopping and observing, you know, so like probably the, at least the first half of the stream, you basically didn't pick up any souls or items uh, much yeah. to the like, Oh man, just and- <laughs> wailing frustration of chat. And then, and then that obviously also comes into play just when fighting enemies yeah. in terms of not rushing in and trying to get too many hits. in. did you feel that when you were playing on your own and not with like, an audience watching you for the sake of entertainment and like another person in that, in this case, me there, like, you know, watching over your shoulder. Were, was oh, that different? when I was watching Janelle play, I was screaming, pick up the soul. What are you doing? You just ran past the souls. Like, what are you? Right. you geez, like I was basically doing what chat was doing to us. Right. Right. Uh, and then, yeah. So but, I, but when you, played, when you were alone, what, yeah, what, did you, you <clears throat> when you, I was just playing myself? Yeah. yeah what, no, I, I was taking my time okay, yeah, to the yeah, max. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I do. It probably was a symptom of just like wanting to get to the next thing so that I wasn't getting stuck in the same rut. I mean, I, I definitely had an existential fear going into this about just like, I don't know if I'll be able to get past any of this. And this right. stream could be like, if I'd been maybe playing, hilarious for been... a little bit, but then also maybe just the worst just Dark Souls stream ever. Nick Brecken. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, like that's, that's a hole that you can stay in for that a while. That probably would have ended up still eventually... being a fairly entertaining stream. I would have just upped to the frequency of drinks made. That's true. So. Yeah. And it might have been shorter because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we might have passed out. I think, um, yeah, I think when you're, you know, I think when people are playing alone, uh, or at least when I was playing alone, you definitely are more careful just by, yeah, sure. By, by that, you know, but in any case, yeah, I completely understand what people were, what people were going on about when they were watching us play, especially I watched a stream, um, you know, the guy that does the, uh, that sort of organizes those Conan O'Brien, um, like let's play type things where he yeah, like, does it sort I of, I assume he's a producer or something. Yeah, yeah. He just streams and I just, it just oh. popped up in my YouTube feed and I was like, all right, I'll just watch this and see like what he was doing. Uh, and I was just, I was screaming at him in my brain. Oh, really? Because he was playing through the same stuff. Yeah. Uh, and just being a dummy. But like, we were probably 10 times as bad as he was, right? Oh, yeah. So I think you that, just already I, played it now. That's yeah. A, and that's, yeah. that's clearly an incredibly I, <clears throat> common reaction because we got, we've gotten a lot of tweets since then from, I mean, there was one person who's, well, <laughs> who was like, that stream was really great and hilarious. Anyway, I couldn't stand to watch it. So I had to turn yeah. it off, but good job. Yeah. And it's like, those two things feel like such <laughs> right. contradictory reactions, yeah. but they're clearly not. Right. The thing that was infuriating watching him was when he would miss things and, you know, sort of play the game badly. The thing that was hilarious was then he, he would just go into, like, a really innocent area. Like, remember the that huge church with the NPC that I killed that I shouldn't have killed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He ran into that room and was just like, oh, this is going to be horrible. Oh, no. Oh, this is, this is this is the worst, and everyone in in that chat was just like, "Oh, pff, yeah, this is this is funny." He's just gonna stand here thinking this is like a boss, and then it's just gonna be fine. And like, so it just seems like basically everything is just negative, inversed in terms of like anything that's actually hard is incredibly frustrating to watch somebody do, but anything that's just incredibly easy or or totally innocent is hilarious, hilarious in the yeah. hands of a baby, right? Um, but. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think like being patient is just definitely the key to unlocking that. Like we talked about on the cast, but like I think it is an, a, a, a 
sort of fitting analogy to uh, fighting games, right? Where I I think I can't, I am not good at fighting games uh, simply because I will not have the patience to stand still, <laughs> like mm-hmm. in my brain, prepare for the idea that I maybe I shouldn't just rush in and like kick a guy, you know? Right, right. Maybe I should like try to parry an attack or like do the thing, like mm-hmm. anticipate what they're going to do, you know, what a fighter does. And this game really is just a series of fighting game encounters. Like, yeah. especially having played Bushido Blade recently. Right, right, right. That game feels very much yeah. like this, but in just a like one-on-one context, you know, like a like a player versus player thing. The the difference for me is that a fighting mm. game is sort of best experienced in a multiplayer setting. Mm. And in multiplayer, you can't really you have no influence over the flow of the game. I mean, you do, but you only have half of the influence. Uh, whereas in Dark Souls or or any game like it, you, you can just dis- you can just decide I'm gonna just hold back for a while. Yeah, you know, and you're not being a jerk to the guy who's actually playing you and like, That's could true. you play me instead of not playing? Um, and so I I think it's one of the reasons fighting games have always been tough for me for the reason that you stayed, or at least that that style of fighting game. Um, whereas I have gotten into you know like Demon Souls and Dark Souls before because you can still take them at your own pace. Um, you know, you can just hang back. If there's an enemy, you can just watch them. Yeah. And, you know, they will operate like a video game NPC, not like a... I mean, they, they will... Sometimes. They will be <laughs> they will be closer to how a person works than most enemies in, in <clears throat> other kinds of video games of, in this genre, for sure. But there will still, you know, like, if you don't aggro them, they'll still just stand there. The thing that I like about Dark Souls enemies is that they always seem to have, like the low percentage attack that they just hold back for like a weird thing that you do for instance like the soup man yeah. <laughs> which is this we call this the giant dude who has like a, a, a i guess cast a cast iron bowl yeah it's like a, a um the thing you like grind spices in like a mortar you yeah. know um and and i don't hustle yeah it's like an enormous yeah and so like i feel like there's always the thing that they're just holding back for like a very edge case behavior on the player side. And in that case, it's just if you try to run past this guy and he's done he like X number of things, he just you. throws the soup bowl at your face. I'm thinking of the throwing oh, right. action. The smashing one is that's it's the really classic soup man. This guy is, but it is distressing. He just like smashes you yeah. just over, like just with both hands with his huge cast iron pot. And then just keeps smashing you until you're dead. And it's really distressing. It's like watching a movie with a really brutal murder just depicted right on screen. And is it, just, it is it a moment similar to when your head gets chainsawed off for the first time in RE4? Sort of. Yeah, no, kind of. Not it's, really. Okay. I, not for me. Not really. I, I can like, see someone saying that. But for me, the difference is that that is like an unbelievably shocking, surprising moment that that just like happens. It's like a jump scare almost. Whereas <clears> this is like he just keeps bludgeoning you and you see your health bar like okay. go down go down go down go down and it's like you can't get up so you just have to sit there and w- it's like watching a blunt object trauma murder again in like a very realistic film where it's like oh my god just i get it like the person's <laughs> gonna die stop showing me this but it just keeps you just keep seeing the head being caved in and it's really distressing that's how this felt to me. <laughs> you keep seeing the head being caved in. I mean, it's not as graphic as that, but it kind of feels like it because uh, you see your health bar go down. So it's like... Definitely you, feels you, like that when you're playing. <laughs> well, I wasn't playing, so I can only imagine what it felt yeah. like when you were actually playing. Um, also, how has there never been like a, a like 3D action platformer called Mortar and Pestle? Where... The, <laughs> where 
where like the mortar character has like an actual mortar. Right. Yeah. And then like how is that not a thing? And you'd like choose which one to play and the other one follows you around and has AI attacks. Then <laughs> <laughs> occasionally you combine to right, create exactly. a like spicy. Yeah, mortar brew. jumps on Pestle's back <laughs> and like yeah. you know, shoots a big like a hero mm-hmm. shot. Yeah. Yeah. I would be interested to uh <laughs> That game's chance has come and gone. I'm sorry to say. I know. It yeah, was yeah, totally no, PS1. Was yeah, that was like 2005. Yeah, maybe P- first half of PS2 era. Yeah. 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 It's competing against Blinks, the Time Sweeper, and Psychonauts. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I want to play this game um, to the extent that we would be able to get to like a PvP encounter because I'm really curious to see what that feels like. Yeah. Which I, I've never played. I, I have never engaged with these sort of multiplayer aspects. I haven't really either. It's stuff. incredibly I, I don't stressful even really know what it is. To me. Yeah. You know, I mean, that it is stressful to know that it's out there and yeah. that it's, a, it's another problem. Like a, a big problem. Apparently, right. a, big, like a big problem apparently is that people will come into your game and kill you. Which, as if you needed more people, like, and things killing you in this yeah. game. But, like, I guess that will happen. But then also, you can fight back, and people will and actually, like... you can, like, like, team up. Yeah, and people actually... This is, like, a whole aspect of the game that I've just never... Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I've played this I, game for... Th- I say this game, whatever. The franchise, the Dark Souls, mm-hmm. Bloodborne, From Software yeah. craziness. I've only ever played, like, 30 minutes of the beginning of each of these things. So Except never for Dark Souls 3 now, right? Right, exactly. So I'm, like, curious now, like, having yeah. broken through a little bit to actually, like... I, I am, like... See what that madness is. I am, like, pathologically terrified of this kind of multiplayer, I think. Mm. You know, like, I... Uh, the idea of someone else being part of my game for some amount of time and i have to like i'm their enjoyment is like partially incumbent on me to enhance and and also my experience with the game is like resting on them Mm. to some degree and there's this uncertain element of motive it is just it is like existentially frightening to right. me and i it's hate like, the idea it's, it's like I, journey if journey if the journey guy could just turn around and like beat you in the face <laughs> with a soup bowl right but I, I already basically never play co-op games because right. i can't i can't actually put a level of trust into the other play not trust that i'm worried about dying but trust in the sense of like what if i have to just get up and leave like what if i have to just pause the game because something in my life happens mm. and i have to go do with it like i can't get over this um this like really God. intense i had that experience recently uh in just kind of exploring the depths of that stupid nba game <laughs> oh yeah and there's a there's like a whole component to that game which is you get placed into like a virtual uh like basketball court but you know like the kind that would just be like a park where there are like 20 basketball courts and everybody's just like playing pickup games uh-huh. but so you like walk your avatar around this court this is NBA 2K16 yeah you just walk your avatar around the court <coughs> and then there are just places in front of each court where you can basically just like queue up for a game which is just also like as a guy that never got picked to play basketball in elementary <laughs> school just triggered like my whole like oh god i can't I don't. I all right. I will you play with me? Well, I'll I'll be on your team. Like, oh, <laughs> I'm bad, aren't I? I'm really bad at yeah, this. Yeah, I'm I, so I bad. To, I want to be able to say like, oh, you pick me last. I don't want to be picked. Like, <laughs> hey guys, that's me. They called me the wizard. 
I'll be on your team. Well, that's the other thing. They don't know yet that I'm bad, but they're going to find out that I'm bad when we start playing. Yeah. But I'm an avatar in a game, and I'm bad at basketball. But also, I look like myself yeah. in the oh, game. Oh, no. And I'm, and I'm, like, super short. Like, everybody else just made, of course, like, realistic, like, unrealistically huge people. Right. You know, like, seven foot tall giants. And here I am, like, the, you know, five foot eleven, like, point. Like, hey, guys. Like, oh, God. It was terrible. And then there's a whole component of, like, buying stuff for your guy so you look cool. But I'm just in the white T-shirt with like the default sneakers, you know. Like I didn't buy like the Air Jordans. It's just like real life. And so like I walked up, and then I'm like playing, you know, like a two-on-two pickup game with this weird internet guy, and I'm just terrible. Like I was just throwing. Oh, the these ball. are actual people. Oh, that's multiplayer. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Man, that's the multiplayer okay. lobby. Is okay. like a multi yeah, basketball. Sorry, like, yeah, yeah. I didn't connect the dots. It's 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 very like early 2000s idea of like what a multiplayer lobby is, right? Like oh, everyone's gonna have their it's avatar, like, like, like PlayStation. Home yeah, or right, something, yeah. and so uh, I'm just like throwing the ball like across the court, and it's just like, just you know, like out of bounds, out of bounds, out of bounds. <laughs> like I can't do anything. They're just blo- just you know, slamming the ball down on my face. Like it's just awful. So yeah. is, and does, I just does, sort of like shied away and just like I'll go over here in this <laughs> corner and like ugh. does does do the multiplayer games also take place on that in the park full of a bunch of basketball courts? Yeah. Can you see other people's multiplayer yeah. games in the background? Yeah. Oh man, that's really good. Actually, it's, that's yeah. really good. That's no, they actually pulled it off. It's weird. Um, what if the what if the multiplayer I mean, component the- of that game worked the way Rust works now, where it <laughs> randomly <laughs> generates your your yeah. character, like all sort of visual elements of your character, mm-hmm. and you have to just live with it, just deal with it. I, I mean, <laughs> being me in that context, I would <laughs> much appreciate that version, <laughs> Chris. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's weird. The only, I mean, obviously the only downside of that is that, um, it, it just doesn't work very quickly. If you actually want to play a game, sometimes you actually have to stand there as an avatar waiting for the next game to finish. Right. It's, <laughs> That's it's, really it's, amazing. It's, it's really weird. Um, but, huh. uh, anyway, yeah, so I had that, I had that experience. I had the Dark Souls. I mean, like, I think Dark Souls will just be that, but even right. worse, right? Like yeah. magnified. But that's, so for me anyway, that's different because that is the thing you're describing is like, I'm going to play a game and it's a game where there, are, it's a, it's a point scoring game and there's a beginning and an end and I can join it and like I'm in it for this amount of time and that's fine. I don't have a lot of anxiety about that. The thing I have anxiety about is this weird, like, in and out, like co-op, well, like we're in it together kind of thing where I'm like, I I can't just like allocate this is going to take 10 minutes or whatever. Oh, I it's see. like a okay. weird it's a time thing that's thing? going okay. to, yeah, which then, because then it becomes part of my actual real life. Not, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's like not. It's, well, I don't know though, because this game was like, I don't know how long this basketball game was going to go on. Also, if I lose, I'm losing this guy like virtual points and he's going to be pissed. Uh, and so I'm, there was, there was a certain amount of pressure and also just, I don't know what I'm actually getting into, but, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's, it's more like, um, it's more like an actual whatever, like online RPG at that point, right? Where if I'm going to do this like dungeon, I don't yeah, know what I'm I getting hate, into. And yeah. when I, I, I uh, the only MMO I played for any real length of time, and this is a common one for people to have played, was World of Warcraft. And uh, I remember that I the point at which I stopped playing the game was really the point at which I was level sixty, which at the time was the level cap, and it was like, well, you've got to do these big raids now and you've got to be on like online at seven p.m. at four, for four yeah. hours. And I was like, I, it was just. Impossible no, level of stress. Yeah. Just like I had no fucking way. Have you seen what they've done to that, like to solve that problem? No. It's actually really smart. I mean, oh, really? they just have, they, I mean, well, 
there were a couple of phases of it, um, and I, I haven't really ever played that game much since then either, but um, I just kind of know what it is. Like, the there was a phase where you actually just walk up to these, like, meeting zones, and then, like, you basically just, there's, like, a global queue, but it also stretches between servers. Oh, wow. And then, so you can queue up for, like, a dungeon. It tells you how long the dungeon's going to take. And then it fills in the different roles that that like dungeon would need oh, okay. with people, like and so like and stuff. Uh, the, uh, and now it's just you can just do that from anywhere. But then yeah. also uh, it introduced the problem of like, well, everybody in the world is the cool guy. So like, if you're a like healing class, you can queue up in like two seconds. But if you're like a tank or whatever, right, it's okay. going to take sixteen hours, and <laughs> nobody cares about you. Right. And if you're bad, they'll just kick you out because yeah. you can just get another one. And right. like, it introduced a whole other weird I see. like. You know, problem, but yeah, it was an interesting solution to that problem. But yeah, mm. Dark Souls is the version of that that's basically unknowable and scary. Right. Which you, is how the, all those those games yeah. are intentionally designed. Yeah, throughout, exactly. Yeah, which it's is really the, cool, and I respect yeah. it a lot. I mean, it was funny p- playing it with you, and even though you were the one really playing, it still felt like I was kind of learning the game, not in a way that I could reproduce because I didn't, I wasn't building up the muscle memory, mm-hmm. but just sort of like, oh yeah, th- I I remember now. This is how this world basically works and like everything is very intentionally low information and Mm -hmm. obscured in a way that's really impressive and it's i mean i you know it's everyone remarks on this every time another one of these games comes out but it's kind of amazing that these games are so successful because they they just break like every rule in modern game design about how to communicate information and you know how you should be servicing stuff to the player and how empowered the player should be it's really crazy. I mean, even things like w- when we just, when people are screaming at me to pick things up, like mm-hmm. I am so conditioned to get some kind of UI call out on a, a corpse or something that tells me that I can pick something up off of it. And I guess in this game, there's I mean, like you a still little, have that. You there's just, a, it's very subtle. Though. It's just yeah. a little glowy thing, right? Yeah. Like in a game like Borderlands or something, it would be hovering above the enemy, right, right. rotating with an exclamation point, like pick up this loot and, or you could just like suck it all in if you hold down a button. Right. Yeah. Like all these things have just become like the most efficient mm-hmm. possible way of like grabbing loot. But in this game, you have to actually kind of look for, it. you have to break barrels to like find like they hi- they hide stuff like all over the level ge- level geometry it's just like everything's just hidden in like these little crevices in a way that like you would never actually do in a triple a game today but was done frequently in like 90s games yeah. yeah um yeah basically every aspect of this game is just a a different tangent on video game design since that period of time it feels like mm-hmm. it feels like everything else went this way Yep. And these guys are like, no, we're just off on this weird branch that nobody mm-hmm. else is. And stuff like menus also has not evolved yeah. <laughs> since yeah, that yeah. point. But, like, it's kind of fine because mm-hmm. the whole thing is, like, all of a piece, you know, it's all consistent mm-hmm. with, with, each, with itself. Yeah. yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird game. Man, I... Pl- the- oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 what were you going to say? I was going to talk about different games. So, oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, the, the just playing the game somewhat properly for the first time made me realize that there are just so many things that I just would never do in or even like think to do at this point like for instance like running past a group of enemies just is not a thing a game ever wants you to do now but that is a valid and sometimes necessary tactic in this game or walking up to a huge imposing character and talking yeah. to it and it looks like a boss but yeah. it just has a conversation with you yep yep <laughs> like that shit's crazy also you can kill that thing and <laughs> well like that npc like yeah. Yeah, you can talk to that npc and then also you can kill it uh, right. which has implications that you may not right. understand yeah, yeah yeah um yeah it's basically just 
retraining your brain mm-hmm. to play games, I guess. Yeah. Like, it's, or that's, just, yeah, yeah, that's totally true. And it, it's interesting because it simultaneously breaks so many conventions of video game literacy, but also requires so many. Yeah. You know, you have to, you have to, like, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a weird combination of, like, requiring deep video game familiarity. Not requiring. I mean, there's, like, for instance, that entire YouTube series of that woman who plays through the game with, like, starting from mm. knowing nothing about it. You think they're, like, just base dexterity and w- ways to navigate and stuff? Or, like, well, she, what? I mean, she learned all that stuff yes. from a relatively low level of, of, like, starting literacy, I think, as I understand it. I think her name is Kay. And, mm. uh, which is, which is really awesome. Um, but it also, you know, took a really long time. Um, but so much of these games, like, I guess I shouldn't say require, but reward existing video game literacy of a certain type, like just being accustomed to like parsing these big, stupid spreadsheet, like menus and looking for things hidden, as you say, behind crevices and stuff. But then also at the same time, there are a lot of things that require you to sort of push past your existing video game instincts and do the more patient thing or the sort of more inquisitive thing uh, as opposed to the default thing. And so yeah. I, I guess probably they really on balance, they more reward the lack of assumptions. Um, That's true. But there, it's just an unusual well, combination of things. And the concept of exploration, which everybody said, you n- explore more, explore more while I was playing. And I, I think like to me, that means just walk around the level. But really what they're saying is walk around the level 20 times and learn this, like, as a map. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, as a, as like... By a, explore, they actually mean internalize? Yeah, internalize, mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, in the way that you would internalize... shortcuts and one-way paths that you yeah. can open up that become two-way paths. You almost right. have to think of it in the way that you thought of, like, a quake map or something. You know, like, you have to internalize all of this stuff, learn it, and then you eventually you'll it. be good at this yeah. map, right? right. And, and you just... Ha- I, I think people who play this game probably like a large percentage of them are doing it with the knowledge that they're going to play through this game multiple times or that they just know they're going to like literally take their time in the sense they're going to die a hundred times on this level and that's fine. You know, it's just they're poking out at different parts of the level and then that's part of the process. And I think for me, when I die in this game, I like as a baby, like starting out playing this game, I just assume like I'm doing it wrong and this is just awful and this isn't fun. But you kind of have to realize, like, part of the fun of it is to, like, actually learn mm-hmm. each little piece of this. Yeah, there's a lot of trial and error. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and you just, you, it's just, you have to find the fun in that, or it's just not going to be interesting, or, or, yeah. And yeah. I think, I think just basically making peace with that process is, is part of the, part of the fun of it. But yeah, anyway. Yep. Well, if you want to do another one of those, let me know. Yeah, we I'm should totally do it. up for it. Yeah. We could maybe continue from your real character. Yeah, maybe. Instead of Luckman, probably if the curve on Luckman is is gonna know, is I gonna think it's gonna hit a wall. Well, it probably it's already has. A, it's gonna turn into a vertical line. Then again, I'll feel really bad in some ways giving up on that. So I don't know. Well, it's it's up to you. It depends you, you, you if you, you want to have like, Luckman triumphant parallel yeah. tracks going, where you have to play the same game over again at the same like in a staggered fashion. It's up to you. If anybody who watched that stream has strong feelings about whether we should continue Luckman or give up on Luckman. Similar face, sorry. Similar face. Similar face, that's true. The um, character's name is Similar Face. Yeah. <laughs> because his face his face was generated with nothing but the button for Similar Face, which what what the Similar Face button does is it takes the existing face on their character 
keeps most of it the same and then tweaks like some random elements of it, which yes. means that the more you hit it, the more you're basically inbreeding that character <laughs> yeah, it by literally just, is just accentuating an, yeah. whatever like arbitrary traits he happens <laughs> to start with. So like, you know, a like slightly larger than normal nose eventually becomes like yeah. a horrific pointed, you know, <laughs> mega, like crag mega of a nose. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, this guy ended up just being a disastrous, like green faced, pucker mouthed, pointy nosed, like. But he's our disastrous green faced, pucker nosed <laughs> man. By Chris. just pressing similar face, by over just and pressing over. similar face, like hundreds of times. Yeah, it's a real catastrophe. Optimize this seed forever. <laughs> yep. So that character. So yeah, I have a feeling people from that stream are going to want you to continue that character because God. they're. They've grown up with him. Uh, maybe. Maybe not. Anyway, we'll see, <laughs> we'll how, we'll see how it goes. But if we, yeah. uh, you know, subscribe to twitch.tv slash idle thumbs if you want to be alerted to that. And Nick, I said you you said that you were going to maybe start a forum thread that aggregates like upcoming streams mm-hmm. and maybe past streams. Yeah. And that would be really cool. So or maybe even a dedicated thread for like maybe just our Dark Souls streams or something like that. Yeah. You, know? you could also have just a directory thread that links to yeah, that one. That would be good streams. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so go uh the idle forums or if you go to idlethumbs.net and click forums, hopefully we'll have that up soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you can put a skeleton of it up now yeah. so that if people go there, they can, you know, subscribe to that thread. But, um, yeah. So, uh, that was dark souls and that was our stream and you can find it twitch.tv slash idle thumbs or youtube.com slash idle videos. And we named uh, those differently just to be good. Well, it's cause idle thumbs was taken on YouTube like 10 years ago when we registered it. Yeah. Um, uh, I had a different sort of weird throwback game experience this weekend, which I'd forgotten about until like halfway through that discussion. I played the cl- both of these sort of open betas for the new Doom game and oh, Overwatch. Oh, man. The, oh, the Blizzard. Yeah. I got invited to that, but I didn't have a chance yeah. to play it. They were both really fun, actually, which is a total shock to me. I was not expecting to enjoy the Doom game as much as I did. That's cool. Um, I I am baffled by the way that I've seen people talk about the Doom game. I don't think it's like an amazing world-beating game or anything, but people are talking about it in a way that is like confounding to me. I've seen a lot of people compare it to Halo and stuff. I think just visually, I think people are... But Okay, but it also is... Also, the Doom guy always was just kind of a space marine yeah, kind of I, dude, right? It is, not like a, it is not like Halo or any other modern first-person shooter. It is a, largely speaking... F- I mean, in the broad strokes, it is a fairly old school, very fast paced, twitchy shooter with like, you know, with weapons that fire fast and like avatars. Is there like a guttural announcer? A what? Sort of like, you know, gruff guttural announcer. Is that is that part of the game? Weirdly, I can't remember. Isn't that? Strange. There that must is not strange. be that. I guess I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there probably is. Like I just I honestly, have it no would be of off that. license for Doom to have yeah. a guy. That's, that's true. Doom that's never that's had true. Actually, Doom, Doom never, never did guy. have a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Doom was never really like a multiplayer mainstay, and I mean, it was like a LAN. Yeah. Doom, game. I think, introduced a lot of people to multiplayer uh, because it kind of introduced that to yeah. the lexicon of PC gaming at all. Yeah. But it, like, yeah, you, you, you. But Quake Doom, was, the Doom one was of the era where it had two checkboxes of like, am I playing with a modem or a null modem serial cable? Yeah. IPX. Yeah. Or IPX. Yeah. IPX. Um, like. <laughs> It's kind of like Warcraft to Starcraft, where Warcraft was kind of the right. first yep. like RTS that had, that had all of those c- same options, it, and then yeah. <laughs> you yeah. could play Warcraft. Yeah, it was more. it was really that was my first. I think my first multiplayer experience that wasn't Hot Seat, I think, was Warcraft One. Yeah, but then Starcraft just kind of was yeah. the sort of Quake exactly. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah, Quake yeah. equivalent. Yeah. 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 
Um, anyway, I don't know. This game was pretty fun. I like it's, you know, it's you run around maps that are like crazy confluences of like space sci-fi and crazy like hell stuff. And, stuff you know, like doob. Yeah. I mean, it's it. I, I it's hard for me to say based on just having played it for the over the weekend, whether it has any lasting sort of power. I don't really I can't really tell at this point, but it was novel to play a game like that. That is that sort of fast paced and basic and stripped down intentionally because it's just not really the multiplayer model. And the the biggest bummer for me of that experience was getting to the end of the first round I played when I saw my experience bar go up, which then made me realize, oh, God damn it, I have an experience bar. And then like I unlocked a weapon and I unlocked a new loadout slot or whatever. And I'm like, well, I already care about this 50% less than I did like 30 seconds ago for whatever reason the like modern call of duty style like leveling component of multiplayer i know that people love it and i know that it is what drives a huge amount of like like long-term engagement basically yeah Yeah. i just can't stand it i have never been able to get into it i don't like it and that probably connects psychologically back to the stuff i was talking about earlier about sort of reticence to like feel super committed to a multiplayer experience where I'm like, I don't want to know that to, to have to experience all of this game, I have to live with it. You know, I want to be able to just come in and play around and know that we're all on the same page and like, we've all got the same shit and it's just what we're deciding to use and how we're deciding to play. Not Mm -hmm. have we played 500 games and have all the stuff unlocked. I just really, really don't like it. And I, I don't think it's bad. I understand why it's like fun and engaging for people. I just personally really don't like it. And it's a bummer um, to me. I've talked before about, about team fortress two and yeah. this yeah. and because yeah. team fortress two doesn't have any persistent character stats like that doesn't have XP or anything, but now that it has as many items as it has and as many events as it has and stuff, I think that it has crossed over to have functionally the same effect because you'll drop in and have no idea what's going on. I, I mean, I talked about it before that I do think there was probably a really sweet spot for TF2 where it hit like everyone mostly had the same things, but they probably every character had about 2x right. the number of starting yeah. items available total in the entire game. And that was it. Man, that was a, that was like you could be rewarded for being a long term player because you could get 100 percent of the stuff, but it didn't take that much investment. And also, if you played as like a soldier and you didn't have the rocket launcher, the other guy had you'd get it in a couple hours. And right. that was it. Right. Um. Like, that was really, that was like... Yeah, I remember that. I really, I played <clears throat> so much of that era of, of that game. Oh, yeah. That was probably the most first-person multiplayer I'd, I've played since... Yeah, you were since, really into that. Since Quake 3, mm-hmm. um, which is, like, the, the like, ideal version of, Chris, what you were talking about, I yes, think, of just, exactly, like, yeah. that one is literally, there are these eight things, and there are these, like, 15 maps. Yeah. And that's fucking it. I know. Um, yep. But, but those those games don't... It's funny because you're talking. It's funny to hear you phrase it in terms of uh, like required aggressive commitment. Because I suspect that what the the experience stuff actually does is get 
casual people to sort of keep re re relapsing into playing the yeah, game like I'm i don't sure. think that yeah. it encourages people to be like fuck i'm all in now that i've got this xp bar but i think like it has this it gives it the sort of the pull of an of an ios game or something where you're like oh maybe i'm maybe i will sort of see what happens when i fill that up you know right um but i think well it seems mm-hmm. like it's toxic to you for the for the for the maybe, same yeah reason. it's because i just i yes you look at it and you see the infinite like, right, exactly. chasm opening up in front of you me, yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, the other end of that, too, is also just, like, keeping your core base happy, right? Where, like, I think, in, especially in terms of TF2... Oh, TF2 just has, like... TF2 is, like, inflation, right? Yeah. Where it's just, like, TF2 items, uh, it's, like, you know... It's its own the, weird the, economy. The 20 of them scale, being special yeah. is no longer special now that there's 400 of them, but people keep demanding more and more and more yep. of them, and they keep making right. more and more of it's, them, it's, so... Yeah. Yep. yeah. All online games have that sort of, like, endgame dilemma right. of like do we yep. do we actually try to drop the carrot in front of these guys over and over and over again and like keep them going or do we just kind of call it and then yeah, cause push out somewhere else I'm but- sure th- there are people who people who play TF2 entirely for the skill and the competition of it I don't I suspect that there is a subset of people who fret over like which items have a tiny percent over each other or they just don't give a shit and ban a bunch of stuff on their server. Mm-hmm. But I, I suspect that you're right that the large majority of people who play TF2 play it just for collecting new shit and the wacky stuff that comes from experiencing that. Plus, right. I mean, obviously those, there's a, a, a middle ground of people who are incredibly competent at TF2, are not the best at it, but would still kick all of our asses, yeah. but then also really love just stacking a bunch of new shit onto their guy which i just it's really weird it's weird to me because i feel like when i played that game or when i played games back then (laughs) like tf2 for me it was always just oh that's like my lunch game or that's like the game when i'm bored and i want to play something right it's like playing a game drop onto drop onto one of your like 10 favorite pub servers yeah and for me it's like what my dad does with golf like where it's just like oh i'm playing golf this weekend it's always the same thing but i'm my experience is going to be different because i might be better or i might be playing with somebody else right but it's the same game and that's why i enjoy it it's like a routine it's like just the thing that i do it's like chess you know whatever it's that's to me is like comfortable and fun. Like I like knowing that it's. But what just if you could thing. serialize that experience with like <laughs> the story of your character's progression through that world, and you sort of had a reason to keep coming back besides just enjoying it? Well, maybe. What if you just could enjoy try it? it? What you if could just, try it, Jake. What if just enjoying it's not enough, Nick? What if we need to incentivize? Eh, maybe you should try that, and in six years we'll see if it's maybe just completely ruined the game for you. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyway. We should open a golf course that has this system that is a real <laughs> right. golf course. Yeah. <laughs> Try to incentivize dads. <laughs> God. It's probably being done. Yeah. Um, you should... Uh, but Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. I just... I like the... I mean, oh. as much as I don't play this game anymore, uh, I like the Counter-Strike version of this, which is that everything is literally cosmetic. Right. The people who play that game play it li- just well, actually for stupid skins. Also, right? Uh, uh, is- actually, no. TF2 started the opposite, where they oh, said, okay. like... If you play as the demo man, the demo man, you know, yeah. the demolitions man has like the sticky grenades and the regular grenades. But then they said, ah, oh, maybe this character could be modified to be a weird like melee character. So the demo man got right. a sword and a shield. Yeah. Uh, and, and only one of the two types of grenades. And it was sort of like they introduced the ability to like subclass. Like, like there's like you got depending on how many of the different things you equip. Yeah. You could have like a sort of slider for how much of two mm-hmm. different subclasses you want your character to be. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, but now there's just no, there's no sense to it anymore, really. Um, but yeah, there was also cosmetics if you get sunglasses and whatever the fuck. Um, yeah. But Play, playing Overwatch is really fun right now because it feels like 
it feels like have it, it feels like what it felt like to get in on tf2 mm-hmm. when it was new yeah. yeah actually it doesn't feel like that because that didn't feel like that at the time that just felt like a normal game mm-hmm. but now having experience having experienced the tf2 arc now your like memories of early tf2 acquire like a specific valence that they didn't have at the time well you also have the language is, of how a tf2 a modern tf2 style game works but now it's like without the cruft is kind of what you're right, saying exactly yeah. it feels like that where it's like oh i'm just going into the game and everyone's got the same choice of characters and it feels very clean mm-hmm. you know like it just it feels like an unencumbered multiplayer experience in a way that is hard to that is just uncommon now because um you know, these days, I, I think it feels like there are fewer multiplayer games being introduced than there were, say, 10 to 15 years ago. At the time, it was common for, like, any shooter ever to have a multiplayer component. And, in, like, at any time, any of them could actually become, like, a minor fad. Yeah. You know, like, right. I mean, fucking Half-Life 1 vanilla multiplayer, people actually played that. And that's a thing that, that just doesn't happen anymore. You don't, yep. you know, people don't just, like... It happens sometimes if you're like Naughty Dog and you can afford to sink a ton of money into Uncharted multiplayer and then that develops its own little kind of community. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for the most part, it is more common now for that stuff to be more stratified. Yeah. And so there just aren't as many multiplayer games going around. And so f- f- playing one, at least not large scale, ambitious multiplayer of this sort. And so playing one that is really heavily built out you know, by a company like Blizzard, which puts a ton of polish into everything, but is new and doesn't yet have all that stuff on top. And I don't know what the long-term plan yep. for this game is, so I don't know what they're going to do. But it felt really good. Like, it just was like a relief. What is of. the what is the sort of the gist of Overwatch? What are the sort of the major ingredients that are being mushed together into this game? Um, There are sort of... Like, I, is it first person? Is it third yeah, person? It's yeah, a first, it's a okay. first person game. And it's, a, it's, you know, a shooter, basically, a multiplayer um, shooter that you know what I played was this objective based thing where you uh, capture points you know capture points okay um, you know t- where you teams. capture points you capture points I think there's also a mode that is sort of like the TF2 payday where you push the cart or whatever okay. oh, that's mine cart or whatever they I didn't play what they call it payload payload but I think yeah I think there is one that's um, similar to that. I think people have made comparisons to just like Team Fortress and Dota, you know, and sort of like a weird mashup of that. There right? are more, yeah. There are more characters than there are on TF2, yeah. And they're they're split up into three categories of you know like support and defense and offense. Essentially, I don't remember if that's what they're called, but I think that's basically what it is. And so it, that has that kind of Dota feel. Yeah. There aren't as nearly as many characters that there are in Dota, but it's like okay. I bet there will be eventually. There are a lot of characters. There are a lot of characters to play relative to say, you know, a a typical um, shooter style game, and they are in these like broad categories. So it just you feels like you're. Are there are there capped team sizes? Like you say, there's nine characters, but are the games like? I didn't say there are nine characters. Oh, I thought you said. I think there's like fifteen. Oh, there's fifteen. Sorry, there's like three groups of five or something like that. Yeah. Um. is the actual play capped at like five v five or something like that, or is it? Or no, is, no, is you can choose a- whatever character you want, and you can switch them every time you die. And you know, it's not like okay, you, yeah, it's not. It's, so it doesn't have any of the the Dota style. Pick your team, and that's what you're going. No, on no, no. Okay. It's like a, it's shooter style. You, okay. yeah, you just pick them whenever, and um, uh, and it's you know, it's all much like the Doom. I mean, it's not like Doom in very many respects, other than that, it feels like it feels like the kind of multiplayer experience that you know, we sort of grew up with as PC gamers of a certain era, right? Like it, 
it's like, oh yeah, it's like a Team Fortressy game. You know, it's like this weekend I played basically a new Quakey game and a mm. new Team Fortressy game, and they were, you know, they're yeah. both pretty high production. That's also value. a surprise. Yeah. yeah, it was just weird. It was like it was fun. It was a fun, you know, experience. Oh, and oh, go ahead. You said and oh, uh, the the thing that is fun about the uh, about the Overwatch characters, and this is the total opposite of the sort of Doom Quake style is that, you know, like Dota, they have wildly divergent skills, right? So, like, I played, you know, there, there are characters with, like, huge, heavy guns that are slower, and then there are characters that can, like, basically fly, and then also, like Dota, you have these sort of ultimate attacks that you that you sort of um, charge up over a long period of time, and then you unleash them, and they're a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, I have, I the character I ended up playing the most was I think called Farah and um, uh, she's like, I think sort of an, a, um, f- like she has wings and she can sort of fly for sh- brief periods of time with a charged up sort of fly. And then her ultimate attack, um, she sort of shoots up into the air and then hovers in the air for about six seconds. And then for the duration of that s- six seconds, just a barrage of missiles. She just <laughs> That's like when like, you get the unloads. smash ball in modern smash. Brothers yeah, yeah, games. exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, but like Dota has a really direct comparison yeah. to this, right? With yeah. your ultimate. And so, yep. um, and what I remember that the first time I used it, I totally wasted it. And I just basically shot it into a wall because I didn't know what I was doing. But the second time uh, it was amazing, right? Like the entire enemy team was gathered in the control point and they, they had it totally on lock. And I, I wiped out their entire team with one ultimate. Like, I got a team kill individually and captured Man. the point. And it was like, holy shit. You look at that like, and you're like, that's a thing that is that no team will allow happen to themselves I know, about like, two weeks yeah, after exactly, the game ships. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you get that sense of, like, it's that really good kind of element that games like Smash or Dota have, which are very different games. But they both have this element of, like, you can tell they're very skill-based. And they're not... Like at at high level, they're probably not going to be repeatedly exploitable, but they both have outrageous shit in them that if you do it right, you can just wipe the just entire like, team. Yeah, that, I love like, stuff like that. I like when when one character's move set in a game like this has such a high level of contrast like that, and like the sort of mm-hmm. risk and reward of of time or scarcity that you can that you can just like have the most bombastic fucking thing happen. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Whereas, and then it just can, then the game seamlessly fades back into the yeah, noise the game of regular just shooter. for itself and, yeah. you know, basically keeps going. But yeah, it's, it seems really fun to me. I, I, it's been a long time since I've played, um, a sort of really dedicated multiplayer game regularly for long periods of time at a time. So I don't, I don't feel qualified to really appraise either Doom or, Overwatch. Mm-hmm. I, I suspect Overwatch is going to be the one with more staying power. But like, but beyond that, I don't really have the confidence to say like, oh, this game is really great compared to all the other examples of it that you could be playing. I don't know because I'm just too out of touch with multiplayer. But definitely, as someone who who sort of came of age in a multiplayer world where the like the games that inspired both of these games were like formative experiences it felt like really fun to be like oh i actually know what i'm doing it was like you know (laughs) like i can go i went into doom and i was consistently in like the top two 
at the mm. end of each map because I'm like, I actually know how to do this. Um, yeah. I know, I get this. Hearing like, you I talk have these skills. Hearing you talk about Overwatch also reminds, and and the like lack of being able to assess it reminds me that I also know nothing about Battleborn, which is 2K yeah. and Gearbox is this. Like it's right. their crazy class based first person multiplayer mm-hmm. Dota infused thing. So, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know anything about that one either. I, yeah. Yep. Have you played any of these games, Nick? Uh, no. Yeah. Nope. And yeah. Battleborn, I think, also recently had an open beta. Yeah, it's coming out in a month, I think, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Overwatch is the one that I was, that started as a Blizzard MMO project, I think, and then they crushed it. Was, it. it was like the combat component of that MMO. Right. Oh, but this, yeah. this world design and characters and stuff are part of a way huger yeah. game that was supposed to be like next Blizzard's next big MMO, and then they... Yep. That shat the bed, and then they pulled out of the ashes Team Fortress meets Dota, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to see Blizzard Maybe. making stuff like Overwatch and Hearthstone and these really focused games. Because for a long time, they basically just became the World of Warcraft company yeah. for a really long time. And then even Diablo 3, I mean, Diablo 3, like, f- f- as far as I can tell, has turned into a, a, a pretty good game. But it definitely was just like an infinitely long development of a style of game that they'd already made twice. And it's really cool to see them in the last few years ship two things that are not direct sequels, like not just like recapitulations of existing formulas that they've developed. Like it's really nice. But still have their like super high level of technical. Right. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Execution Mm -hmm. and whatever else. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris, Yes. Do you want to take a break or do you want to talk about a sausage? Uh, let's take a break and then talk about a sausage when we get back. Okay. Okay. Video games. This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by the Idle Thumbs Network. Um, we now have actually seven podcasts on our website, idlethumbs.net. Uh, we run several other video game podcasts and one book club, the Idle Book Club, and a Netrunner podcast called Terminal 7. Uh, right now, we put out just a few days ago the uh, most recent episode of the Idle Book Club about the novel Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. Next month on the Idle Book Club, we're in the midst of reading uh, The Man in the High Castle by Philip K. Dick. I'm a few chapters in, and it is really it's a crazy book. So I'm really looking forward to to discussing it on the Idle Book Club. Our most recent podcast that we added to the network is Playscape Los Angeles, hosted by Teddy Deef, one of the developers of um, Hyperlight Drifter, which we've talked about a few times. You should listen to this week's Playscape LA uh, with Zoe Quinn to be reminded of the fact that she once made a game called Jeff Goldblum Staring Contest, which I was reintroduced <laughs> to through that podcast. So nice. that's that's my endorsement of that. There you go. Um, so yeah, we have several other shows up on there, including, as I said, Terminal 7, about the Netrunner card game, um, Idle Weekend with Rob Zachney and Danielle Riendo. Yeah, We've got a lot of stuff. Club, too. We, thought, we, we said that already. Oh. Three Moves Ahead, a strategy podcast every week uh, hosted by Rob Zachney. Uh, it's a good collection of shows. It's, uh, it's, it's really fun to have all that stuff going up there every week. We also ship out boxes of snacks and underpants and mattresses and all sorts of other stuff, like razors, <laughs> I bet, are there. It's a podcast website, so I... Video game. Idle That's us. That's our site. Are we back? Oh! Okay. Uh, 
Sounds like we're back. Jake, you and I both played Steven's Sausage Roll. We did. It's So earlier, you and Nick talked about how you played Dark Souls. Steven's Sausage Roll has been referred <laughs> to by, I think, Bennett Foddy, the creator of Co-op and a bunch of Sports Friends stuff, as the Dark Souls of puzzle games, mm. which made everyone start calling everything the Dark Souls of everything. Not uh, This week, it seems like, that hit its stupid apex. Yep. Steven's Sausage Roll is a puzzle game that is a fucking disaster and I'm terrible at it and <laughs> I don't even know how to talk about it because I've achieved literally nothing in it. Despite... Wait, you haven't completed any puzzles? No, I'm really bad oh, at no. it. Oh, <laughs> no. I Okay, so, uh, yeah, I've... I keep bailing out, so maybe my, 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 my tolerance for them is too short because I've experienced many puzzles and started to think that maybe I know what to do in, in them and then just get furious and throw hot dogs into the ocean. So uh, I guess we should explain what the hell Steven's yeah. Sausage Roll is. So Steven's Sausage Roll is a puzzle game that consists of essentially a lot of different variations on as far as I can tell, exactly one core mechanic, which is that you control a little guy, like an actual avatar, not necessarily a guy, but a, an avatar in an th- actual 3D environment, right? So you're, um, it's a puzzle game where you are in the world and you have to push sausages around, basically just cylinders that roll around the world. You have to push them on top of grill tiles and when a sausage touches a grill tile, the sort of quadrant of the sausage that comes in contact with the grill will become grilled. Will become cooked. Yeah. And you have to, every, every surface of the sausage has to become grilled exactly one time. And the level is not over until all the sausage on the level have become fully grilled. And if you exactly once, yeah, exactly once, if you overgrill a sausage or if you accidentally push it into the ocean, because these all take place on little islands, you lose the level and you have to try it again. Yeah, this becomes incredibly difficult because your character takes up one tile and you move one tile at a time, but your character has a fork sticking out of it, out of the front of it, that is the size of one tile and the fork. Or your characters seem like they can push the sausage around. But the thing that makes the game borderline impossible but also good is the way that turning works. Because you have a fork swinging out in front of you. Like if you're facing up and then you turn to the left, your character rotates 90 degrees counterclockwise, which swings the fork around. Which means that if there's a sausage in between there, you'll just bump it one tile. So you And so, you know, you can roll sausages around you can cleverly maneuver yourself so that you can kind of just like slide a sausage one tile over without turning it over but that will still count as cooking it if it's on a grill oh man (laughs) the like there's no such thing as just as like turn and move at the same time when you if you're facing up and then press left your character swings the fork as a turn and then the next time you press left is a move and all of these things do things to everything so Man, you've got to just fucking think about everything. It's a really challenging game. It's so hard. And it's so hard. Even like I'm, a, I'm a fucking sausage roll baby. I'm nothing. <laughs> I'm nothing. Like just cooking a sausage correctly. Even like I'm now at the point where I just ignore if there's a two sausage level. I'll just like try to do whatever I can to even just get one cooked so that I'll feel good about like even mastering that. <laughs> and then I know I'm throwing away any strategy on the level. But man, I'm 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 a fucking trashy sausage roller. <laughs> Trashy sausage roller. Yes. Yeah, I uh, I think I've completed like nine or ten All right. puzzles, cool. which doesn't sound like a lot. 
That's and it isn't a lot, probably, relative to the whole game. No. But it's it was so hard to get that far. Yeah. It's so hard. This game is hard in a way that is, like, unique among games I've played recently, right? Like, Dark Souls is hard, but you practice it, and then you get better at it because it's got repeating mechanics in a way that a normal video game does. And then something like The Witness, which is a lot more similar to Steven Stoss's role, is hard, but also it's, like very carefully designed to sort of ramp you up in a way that has been like anticipated and it is that game is hard but it also like really guides you yep. through learning to do these puzzles this, 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 it feels like, like it, it feels like opening brutal. up it feels like opening up a newspaper to the chess puzzle page right, and yeah. and it's a whole newspaper full of nothing but those and they are all grandmaster level chess challenges and it's like you will learn how to solve these. Well, by probably just a lot of them are not them. grand le- master level, but you still don't know how to do it, so it doesn't make any difference whether. Right? It is yeah. Or not. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yes. If you de- or you basically, it's all chess puzzles, and you have never played chess before in your life because it was invented. Whole, well, and they're not presented in order in of easy to difficult, or maybe yeah. they are, but you don't know. You don't know. Like, I can't tell. Steven like, Sausage Roll has a world map. And you warp into the different puzzles by like there's just there's an outline of this of the player character just transparently sort of hovering in the map, um, like you'll just see an outline of your guy facing left, and then if you walk into it and face left, it goes whoop, and like you warp into a puzzle. And I have not figured out yet if there's any logical progression to those. I assume there is. I mean, there is because the more of them you do, the more of the world map you open. So yes. in that sense, but still at the beginning, you can still choose to do a lot of different puzzles, and yeah. it's not. You don't know which ones are... I spent a long time looking around just to see if I could find the easy one and then figured out that there was not one. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, that was that was my first testing the waters of Steven Sausage Roll was like, yeah. how many of these can I get to? And is there any one of them where I can immediately see that I can make headway? And I thought that my brain was the sort that was actually going to be kind of good at this. And it seems like it might just be good at appreciating it. I, I, I don't know how to appreciate it. So I can appreciate it in the sense that like, oh, wow, these are very cleverly designed and difficult and like impressive but the way that people are talking about this game is sort of beyond me right sure people like bennett foddy who you mentioned who made Quap, and like jonathan blow and like a a bunch of people not just them but like a lot of people uh, you know who have less notoriety are talking about this game as though it is like an unprecedented masterpiece of all time video game design and i'm not saying that that's not true i'm just saying i don't really i wish that they would explain why they think that instead of just saying that it is that so i can try and like engage with that opinion because it's so goddamn difficult that i just at least for me i'm sure for some people this comes more naturally but like but i i just don't know how to like it feels like this game it feels like the praise for it is coming on to me at least on the single axis of Wow, this is a ton of really incredibly well constructed, just sol- like unique solvable puzzles. Where like there's so many things you can, there's so many things that a player could conceivably do inside of it that you would think that you'd be able to have a noisy solution to a bunch of them, but you can't. They all have basically an optimal single solve. But I don't know what that means i mean i i see why it's attractive as a thing to go to go nuts over but i don't know maybe that's maybe that's does that make any sense yeah it does but i would like to see some of those people like state that if that's what they mean i would like to see right that's some people that's just, just like, been my guess yeah. Having, a, after yeah playing it and sort of going and like seeing that that is the case and then imagining if that's the case on the first screen it has to be across the rest of the game as it gets harder but i ha- you know 
uh, yeah, I, I know. Everyone's just saying it's great. Uh, and I, I want, like, I want the equivalent of, um, Doug Wilson wrote that article on Polygon about the solo eggplant run of Spelunky. And that was such a good, like, yeah. Using that mm. one run as an encapsulation for some of the things that can be great about Spelunky and why people go so apeshit over that game. And I hope that we get some, one of the, people who are lauding Steven's sausage roll yeah. to to give it a breakdown slash sort of like story of the game like that. But so uh, did either of you two play English country tune? That was the previous no. game. It really, I mean, it's very similar. It's similar in how it sort of presents itself. Um, that was also by Steven Lavelle who goes by Incrapar. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but you guys surely recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From like the guy's been making, which is sort of free games on the internet for years and years and years. And then English country tune and, uh, and Steven sausage roll are both like larger scale games that you actually buy on steam or whatever, or wherever else and download and play. Uh, and that game also was rapturously received by a particular set of people. English country tune was, and I also remember getting that game and downloading it and playing it and, f- and, again being like oh okay this is this is cool and really well made and it was it still just felt totally beyond me um so i kind of was expecting this when i when i installed i thought that steven sausage Sausage roll would be more up your alley than english country tune was but maybe that's not the case it maybe it is i can't remember well enough to i think it probably is and then i think i've already gotten farther in Sausage Roll. Yeah, Sausage Roll is like the most difficult, insane version of Sokoban or something. Like, just <laughs> right. of like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, hmm. So anyway, that's like... I don't know what to say about that other than... <laughs> yeah. I, even, though it, even though it totally ruined me and basically like shamed and frustrated the hell out of me, I still found the way that it works enjoyable enough that I want to keep playing it just because I want to actually... <laughs> I want to actually achieve something in it, but I, yeah, I don't know how long that's going to last for me, but I hope that I actually, yeah, by next week have maybe solved some stuff and like accomplished more than just repeat failure. <laughs> but <laughs> this no. game is, this game is a funny counterpoint to the witness actually, because so the way I, I really love the witness in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, I mean, I think a lot of people are ambivalent about that game and I am to some degree, but I, but I think on balance, it's, got a lot more going for it than mm-hmm. against it. I think it's a really, it was just really good. But uh, that game was, was sort of a, an anomaly because it was, you know, there aren't a lot of games made to a high level of, of sort of visual polish that are basically just a series of puzzle. You know, it, one of the reasons that game gets compared to Myst a lot, even though it's very different to Myst in a lot of ways, the reason that comparison happens is because, you know, it's fairly unusual to to get a, a game that really exists so that you can solve a bunch of puzzles yeah. in a world that way these days uh, of that type. And But The Witness is still a game that has, even though it's largely puzzles in substance, it still has a lot of, like, video game trappings overlaid on top of it, which are, you know, a very beautiful world and, like, environments to traverse that have different biomes that look very beautiful and coherent. And environmental storytelling. Environmental storytelling, Mm -hmm. yeah, weird narrative elements. Like, there are a lot of things in it that are not... that have nothing to do with puzzle games, necessarily. Like, you could put stuff like that in 
a game regardless of what the mechanics were, whether it's a puzzle game or not. Like those are just sort of 3D world video game elements, right? Steven Sausage Roll is like does the absolute bare minimum of all of that stuff, right? Like the graphics are just enough to convey this is a little character who moves around and pushes these sauces into grills. It's an open world, but the open world, all you do is traverse it tile by tile and it changes as you unlock more tiles, but not in a way that's like sensorily satisfying or enriching. It's just, it's, it's there to connect all the puzzles and to unlock itself as you do more of them. Its aesthetic uh, feels like a game that you would discover on your friend's MAME cabinet or something, where you're like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? Yeah, like, right. like a, a lost, yeah. early 3D, totally devastating, yeah. where like, why, like you know, like a Japanese import. Yeah, like a, ja- yeah a weird Japanese yeah. import, like PS1 era arcade game that is for some reason a puzzle game that is just brutal and is designed to just eat all of your money. Right. But it's on free play now. Right. But that sort of just like, okay, I guess there's a world map because that's what's in a game, but it's really <laughs> yeah. just there to you know, yep. to do anything yeah. to provide a little structure for sure. Like playing the witness felt like, Oh man, it's just a bunch of puzzles, but then you compare it in retrospect to something like this. And it's like, Oh, that was not just a bunch of puzzles. This is just a bunch of yeah. puzzles in a, in a like brutal way. And it's, it's odd. I mean, this is like a $30 game. Um, it is, you know, it's really intriguing that it's, if the game feels iconoclastic, you know what I mean? Like the game feels un unbending mm-hmm. in a way that uh, something like the witness doesn't, the witness still makes concessions to video game players, you know, um, not in a way that feels like compromising or debasing, but just like, you know, it's, it, it, it understands the way it's going to be received. Uh, whereas Steven sausage roll is like, you will do this. Period. I am Steven and you will roll these sausages. And that like that is it. And if you don't, okay, the game like that's it. You're not you will not do it. The end. Like there's nothing that's gonna you're not gonna like wander around the world and decompress in it and you know get yourself like sort of ah oh, try the easier one in this right. other area. Like maybe nope. I'll look at this sausage from a different angle and see if I'm enlightened at all. Yeah, like, no. no. You will you will cook the sausages or you will fail, and that is it. Like period. There's literally no other option. <laughs> Cook sausage, do nothing. And and it's just, it's weird. Play, it's just weird. It's just like a, it's, you know, having played Dark Souls, like having played a bunch of Dark Souls, which it still is not that, right? Dark Souls is incredibly unforgiving and uncompromising. But again, it's still like you can grind up if you really want to. Like mm-hmm. we, we never did that. But like, if you want to, you can just kill a bunch of enemies and get more like souls. You yeah. know, I mean, you can. Uh, and, uh, maybe the only like partial equivalent might be the, the actual boss moment. Yeah. The but bosses, even then, but even you then you still, could theoretically go and, yeah. you know, you can give yourself a little bit of an advantage by just there's also stra- There's also like luck and strategy in dark souls. Like, you know, you can win a battle by the skin of your teeth. Yeah. Whereas in Steven sausage roll, it's like you will perfectly execute this sausage roll or not. Yep. The end. And it's just, uh. You know, the witness has that in it. It's like you have to do the puzzle right or it doesn't progress like that exists in that game. The the oh, I understand how this works when looking at a puzzle panel and the witness feels very similar to to Stephen Sausage Roll to me. But then the it, yeah. uh, my experience so far with Stephen Sausage Roll is that there is not a consistent language that gets built up over time the way the witness does. Though. No, Maybe that's and, not and true. That, no. Well, it's, I'm, it's I, I don't know because I haven't fucking solved I anything yet. It's, <laughs> I think it is basically true. And that's actually one of the things that is one of the 
concrete things I have seen people praise the game for is that every puzzle has its own version of the mechanic. Whereas the witness has like a bunch of different versions of the mechanic, but each one teaches itself to you. It stacks and then, and then you, subverts yeah. and then Whereas you're done or whatever. The, one yeah. of the things I've seen people praise Steven sausage roll for is that just each one is its own concept and you have to solve that concept each time. And it is draining. It is like intellectually draining, you know, like to a high degree. I find that game exhausting to play. You know, I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll get, I'll just actually manage to go through and solve three at once. Not that many times because I've only solved like 10, but you know, that's happened to me a couple times. And then if that happens to me and I solve another one and fail a few times in a row, it's like, okay, I have to no more of this today. No more today. It is, it is like eroded enough brain cells that I can feel, I can no feel sausages. it, you know, yeah, like I can, <laughs> I can like physically feel myself be sapped of something and I don't know what it is, but I can like, I can feel myself being diminished in a tiny way, not like diminished in the sense of humiliation or something, which sometimes, you know, like I don't, care about that aspect really like i don't mind knowing that i'm bad at something or not smart enough no but, but your, bra- like your brain actual... is so active that it feels like a hard day's work or something exactly like that. yes yeah. it's like yeah exactly it's like strenuous it's crazy so i don't know if i should recommend this game or not but if you think you like hard as shit puzzles get steven's sausage roll because they're hard as shit <laughs> it's available on linux <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Mm. Well, you want to do some reader mail? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Let's see what we got. All right. So, uh, John Gordon writes, I've been catching up on old episodes, and a few weeks ago I listened to episode 223, Troll Clone Today, and I heard Nick describe his experience with GTA 5 Troll Clones. Watching the video is incredible. A few days later, I saw the title of a forthcoming episode, number 247, titled The Clone Progenitors. My excitement grew. I just caught up with the episode in question, and I learned that the title related to companies of the Doom clone era. I couldn't stop smiling because what I'd been looking forward to, uh, what I hoped for, was a tell-all email from a high-ranking GTA V clone progenitor. No No episode titles beyond 247 look promising in this regard, but I haven't given up hope. Ciao, John from Newcastle, Australia. On a side note, I realize now that I would have known it wasn't to be if I'd looked at the game's discussed list for the episode, but this is not included in the RSS feed text description. It would be helpful for those of us catching up on old episodes if the RSS feed had this information. We know that our RSS feed needs to have a rev. It's like, it's the number of things that most podcast clients will allow in an RSS feed feature-wise is way above the stuff that we do in ours, so yeah. we'll... We'll try to beef that up at some point. Yep. The main reason I read that email was to remind us on the record <laughs> that we have <laughs> to actually do that. Yeah. Because we've been meaning to do that in a while. We have some like small scale website improvements that we're making, like actually starting now. So hopefully that stuff will start to get a little better. Um, all right. So Wizard writes, if Nick gets a PhD in robotics, would he be known as Dr. Robot Nick? Yes. Okay. Answered. Uh, Patrick Paquin writes, I will never get be like, Dude, you're robotics. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to need one to deal with the oncoming 
new order, the new reality. That's true. What if you then got really fat and were relocalized to Dr. Eggman? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be yeah. really bummed. Yeah. You mean Just, like re-unlocalized? Basically? Yeah. You'll always okay. be Dr. Robotnik to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Patrick Paquin writes, Dark Souls 3 character creator. Hey guys, I'm a character artist and I was bummed when I went into the character creator of Dark Souls 3 and found that the default pre-made characters all looked, quote, strange at best. Since the developers uh, didn't... Since it's not very easy to create good-looking characters, I wouldn't be too hard on yourself for not being able to make a human-looking protagonist. I understand the allure of creating your own character in an RPG, but personally, I would have preferred choosing from a selection of better-looking pre-made models. After about 30 minutes of fiddling with sliders, I said fuck it and started the game as a knight because the helmet covered the character's face. What do you think about this type of procedurally generated face creator stuff and more generally procedural generation in terms of an aesthetic choice? Thanks for the podcasts, Patrick. I don't know what I think about procedural generation specifically. I mean, I feel like this character creator actually, I mean, it's not, it's clearly, clearly not great in the sense that it's difficult to make yourself, for instance. Like I was actually able to make Janelle. uh, Yeah, you did a really good job making Janelle. Yeah, it took two hours. I looked up at the clock and went, Jesus Christ, (laughs) like, I don't, how did this take so long? But um, I mean, I was pleased that it was possible. Then I tried to make myself, which was a disaster. The thing that was the most amazing to me uh, is is how much you nailed her chin. Yeah, that well, was there really are, remarkable. There are a lot of like cheek chin controls, right, yeah. that, but it, it was a whole day of just <laughs> experimentation. But, but um, it. I did do it. I don't know. I think um, God, I forget what I was going to say about this. I, I don't. It, eh. I don't have very strong feelings about it. And as, but I know that there are a lot of people who do, you know, like I know that there are a lot of people for whom the ability to define how your character looks is really personally important to them. And so I, I just sort of come out neutral on it. And I feel like I probably also all things considered, like don't care that much about this level of character creation, but I know that for some people it's really important. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, if the game, if it, if the, definition of a character is not actually important to the content of the game which it is not in a game like dark souls because your character the way your character looks has really zero relationship to anything that happens in the game then yeah like just have that why not you know why not because mm-hmm. there there are people for whom that's important so yeah you know. yeah i i i guess i <laughs> i'm really similar to you chris i guess i Whenever I play a game that has a character creator i get momentarily excited about it dick around for a minute feel kind of disappointed that the amount of effort that I care to put into it is not going to yield the thing that I think is really cool. And then I often just press the random button and start. Uh, unless it's a game that I think the things that I do on that screen are actually going to elicit a response in the game based on the things that I do, which is not common. Yeah. Um, but in those cases, I care. But otherwise, I usually am just I usually just make the most ostentatious, stupid character by like right? picking the stupidest hair too. and the stupidest yeah. eyes. And then I just am kind of annoyed when I'm in the game. I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta look at this fucking guy all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wouldn't be here. She wouldn't be here. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, yeah. I I've, people ask about character creator stuff to us whenever one of these games comes around, and I always feel like we give shitty non-answers because we're people who just don't care. And I always want to cite like Steve Gaynor, who cares a ton, right? Or well, because I think there's know, not. I, or Sean, like, what who are you going to say lot? about it, right? Like the yeah. the point of them is that they're genericized. Like I think it's hard to have strong opinions most of the time, unless you're someone who like just has always had a strong connection to this stuff. Like as you say, Steve. But 
a thing that I find really interesting that is related to this that I alluded to earlier is what is Ru- was what the game Rust is doing right now, which is to was, randomly assign assign yeah, yeah. Uh, race race and gender yeah yeah I think that's really cool. Um, what's interesting about Man, a lot of people don't like it though. A lot of people don't like it, and what's interesting <laughs> oh, about for a lot of reasons <laughs> yeah for different reasons. What's interesting about it is that the um, the negative reaction is coming from two different camps which are are frequently opposed to one another yeah um some of the people who don't like it don't like it because they're just dudes who don't want to play as a woman and that's that's basically the end of it and it's just like i want a person who like or I if just, they're gonna play as a woman they want to make the the whatever like most attractive right, woman right, to right. them right I Exa- mean, exactly exactly yeah and then the other objection is that they can't right the other <laughs> objection comes from sort of like a subset of the kind of progressive social justice community i would say particularly a number of trans people have said mm. that it is like uncomfortable to play to not be able to like make the choice of gender in their character and i understand where that's coming from for sure obviously i can't like understand it personally in the same way because it's not my specific experience but i think that on balance it is better for there to be a game that does this even if it is uncomfortable for some people because it forces like the entire community to have to coexist in this way. Like it is, it is totally a bummer that for some people it is, it is uncomfortable. And like, I don't really have a great answer for that, unfortunately, but it's not my game. So I guess it's not my job to have an answer to it. But, but I do think that it is really interesting to have a game whose population is actually sort of representative of a real population. And that is just not something that you can ever have with either predefined characters or you entirely user selected characters. Like the only way to actually get a real gender balance and a real racial racial balance is to take it out of the hands of players. Because as long as players can choose them, it's going to be biased towards like the existing sort of prejudices and preferences of the community playing the game, which is itself self-selecting based on like all kinds of other things. It's it's interesting though, because that then the fact that there is a very non-balanced player base playing as an algorithmically insured to be balanced set of avatars means that that, that collection of player avatars becomes an incredibly weirdly faceted prism through which all of those people's personal feelings are going to be put. That's true, although... I'm not saying that's bad. I mean, it's no, I know, but I think like the reality probably is that... And I, I'm, I don't play Rust, so I, I'm, I'm assuming this possibly erroneously, but I would imagine that past a point, you're just playing the game and you're going to optimize your mm-hmm. play towards just like yeah. the things that will help you play the game better. And the specifics of the like um, these various sort of definitional attributes yep. will just meld into the fabric of the game the same way they would if people created the character mm-hmm. and eventually it will just be a like tapestry of different people playing of different characters playing the game. Um, and I, I think that it is good for that to exist in the world of online yep. video games because there just isn't another example of it. Like the only way to, the only way to sort of encourage that in a game where people can choose their own characters is to tie those like race and gender characteristics to um, an incredibly well-balanced character set, like uh, character ability set, 
such yeah. that it's like if you want to play the character with this ability it's a black woman and if you want to play yep. the character with this ability it's a white man and so on and so on and so on and then balance it so well that you basically enforce and, and but that just never and actually also happens. somehow managed to avoid any stereotyping of assigning right. gender or race to ability yes like i just don't know of other games that do this and so i because that we have so many games that both have totally predetermined okay there's basically like three existing paradigms that are common right there's there's just a character and you have to play it no matter what look no matter what there's you there's like several predefined characters and you choose one of them and then there's like we're giving you as broad a canvas as we possibly can and you define it. those to are like your face around yeah. right <laughs> the, there's a lot of games of each of those types and as far as i know there are none to almost none that do the thing that Rust does. Where it does. just says, you're just going to be any someone. Right. And I think that, so like, to me, it is very valuable to have an example of that. Um, yep. Because there are so many other types and there's, this is like, this just feels like a really cool and valuable thing to try. So I guess it doesn't really answer the question the person asked us, but it's the most interesting no, yeah. version of I, that I, that I can think of right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it's really, I don't know. Um, Nels, Nels Anderson, the host of Terminal 7, a Netrunner podcast on the Idle Thumbs Network, uh, writes in, Hey guys, you spoke the words of summoning and I have appeared. Why is Dark Souls 2 a bit less well regarded than the first Dark Souls? For me and most folks, I think it's level design. The world of Dark Souls fits together like an intricate puzzle box. It seems like you're stumbling through a horrible bleak wasteland, feeling like you're in too deep with no way back. You suddenly cross a bridge, look down, and it's somewhere you've been before. Now you can create a path down there, and it's the most incredible feeling, a mix of relief and accomplishment. Dark Souls 2 has very none—very little of this. The levels are straightforward, and while they may branch a bit, there's almost no clever linking back with other areas. It's not just the satisfaction of a well-designed meta structure either. The levels themselves are incoherent as spaces sometimes. The most egregious is when you must make your way through a valley filled with toxic gas, ascend to the top of a dilapidated windmill, and defeat a boss at the top. But just after the boss, there's an elevator hmm, that takes you to a castle made of iron in the caldera of a volcano. Dark Souls Lordron really did feel like a tangible, continuous place. Dark Souls 2's Dranglaic just feels like a video game place built for convenience, not coherence. Funny enough, the linear structure is basically the same as Demon's Souls, except Demon's Souls never attempted to make the world of Volataria a single coherent space. Chris may remember, but Demon's Souls has an area literally called the Nexus, where the player travels to five different areas of Bolertia. The travel is just teleportation. Demon's Souls doesn't attempt to present the different areas as a single connected space. This is exacerbated by Dark Souls 2, providing a teleport fast travel from the very beginning of the game, meaning you almost never have to retread areas after you go through them once. I haven't played Dark Souls in about three years, but I could probably still sit down with a blank piece of paper and a pencil and make a map of almost any area in the game, and I'd bet it'd be about 90% accurate. Attempting to do that with Dark Souls 2 would be a disaster. If one is being really charitable, you could claim this is a deliberate decision, playing into Dark Souls, 2, Dark Souls 2's themes of things fading away, loss of memory, etc. But I think that's just seeing shapes in the clouds. There are other differences between the games. I won't go into those or how Bloodborne fits into the whole scheme. Um, but while there were some interesting mechanical changes, and I'd even say improvements to the combat system, Dark Souls 2 seems to have missed the one thing so many people loved about Dark Souls. Maybe it's th- maybe the biggest bummer is that Dark Souls 2 has the most and best DLC of any game in the series. The trilogy of the Lost Crowns has most of the best stuff in all of Dark Souls 2, but I suspect the experience of the main game left fewer people playing it, which is a shame. To have this not just be a lengthy email, here's a somewhat related question. Are there other game series where between two entries a bunch of improvements were made, but also the thing you loved most was diminished or lost entirely? Nels. 
Yeah, for me, Mass Effect 1 to 2. Mm. Everyone loves Dark. Everyone loves Mass Effect 2, I think, the most out of every game in the series, but I loved Dark Souls 1 the most because it had... Or Mass Effect 1, you mean? Sorry, I keep saying this, yes. Yeah. I loved Mass Effect 1 the most because it had a bunch of these areas like the Citadel and Novaria that were these really complex, interlinked sort of hub areas with a lot of subquests and conversations and overlapping goals and um they just felt so intricate and alive in a way that like mass effect 2 had some of that but overall the structure of that game was much more streamlined and like snappy and you're moving through uh you're like churning through content in a way that uh was effective and compelling and definitely i think probably increased the likelihood that people would actually finish it um, but it just, it had less of the stuff that I personally liked, even though Mass Effect 1 was sort of a jankier game. I, I, I liked that weird, like, mm-hmm. fiddly stuff. Yep. For me, I think that is probably um, the first Bioshock to the second Bioshock, which, like, obviously we've, we, we have worked with and know a lot of people who worked on Bioshock 2, so I don't want to, like, say, I don't want to imply, like, a bunch of huge negative things about that game, but that was definitely... A game where I could recognize pretty objectively that the like combat encounters and the way that your weapon systems and your upgrades and just like the feel of that game was just a bazillion times more sort of considered and they had the advantages of a bunch of evolution. But the thing that I actually liked about Bioshock 1 was the sense of space and that the story was incredibly simple on its surface but implied all sorts of complicated thematic things uh, and that script seems to have been flipped on Bioshock 2 where it talked really big about a bunch of complicated stuff but kind of didn't feel like it was about as much as a result. Uh, I don't know if that maps to the question that Nels asked but that was... Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair answer. What's funny about Bioshock 2 is that I feel like in the years since it's released it is a, it is sort of accrued an audience that considers it like the high point of Bioshock. I think that's a totally fair assessment. It just... It just yeah, yeah, no. It I, still I know, doesn't I stick just, for me but... No, no, that's... Those are, that's both fair. I just think it's interesting because that game is sort of, it's, I think its reputation has grown over time among a certain set of people, which I find really interesting. And I think Bioshock 1's reputation as being sort of the pinnacle of the things that it was doing has kind of worn away, partly probably because Bioshock Infinite ended up like making Bioshock 1 seem like it was less of a good look. Uh, you know, like just some of the, some of the lamer things in Bioshock 1 got so accentuated and infinite that you, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably true. Yeah. You can look back and go, Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Sure. Games are weird like that. Like it's, how the matrix sequels can make the first matrix movie seem worse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like resident evil is the series for me where, or at least even just discounting my own opinion, just looking at the opinions of other people and that it just seems all over the place in terms of, kind of the variant Silent of that Hill series. Silent Hill is like a more extreme example of that. That's probably true, yeah. Um, but I feel like maybe just looking at um, even just the jump between like Resident Evil 3 and Resident Evil 4, like you can kind of see how they got there, but like it to me it's equivalent to Mass Effect, right? Where, where there's sort of like one through three Resident Evils were this sort of vague kind of rough shod uh, experience uh, when you're playing them. And then Resident Evil 4 is like this very like focused, like just well crafted you know just roller coaster and i feel like as much as 
I prefer that actually. I, I'm sure there are lots of people, and I know there are lots of people that prefer kind of the earlier variant of that. What's well, funny is that that then sort of happens again with Resident Evil Four to yeah. Resident Evil Five. No, on. I know. I was, yeah. I was actually going to bring yeah. that up, but I feel like that's just more of an yeah. obvious kind of like, well, right. it's just not as good as that's Four. True. Yeah, they no kind of just Resident screwed it up. Better, uh, but I feel like. If you look at because they've you know gone back and re-released the original Resident Evil One, the sort of remastered version on Steam now, and when that happened, a lot of people went back and played it and went like, actually, I think this is the best game out of the series, and this is the best version of Resident Evil, and it's kind of a bummer that they kind of took it to this weird action extreme. And four is kind of the f- first spike in, on that branch of like, oh, maybe it should just be this really linear thing. It's still my favorite Resident Evil game, but I can kind of understand why people would prefer that kind of earlier, earlier sort of, you know, yeah. Here, here's a weird one that I would not, that I'm not going to claim is like correct or anything. It's just for whatever reason was my experience. Uh, I didn't play the early Zelda games until I was an adult because I just, missed out on them because I didn't have consoles at the time they came out. And those weren't the kind of games where you could really play them at a front. Like I played probably the vast majority of Mario's, you know, the early Mario games at friends houses because they're just those kinds of games. Whereas Zelda you can play a few levels and you've played a Mario, right? Yeah. But I think I played a lot of them because they're, you can like start with the intention of maybe it's playing a few levels, but you'll end up playing the whole thing. Whereas Zelda, it's like, you know, you're surmount- it, has yeah. a, it has a save file, it's right? Got that yeah. save guy. Yeah. 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 And so, um, so Zelda, I didn't play really until I was an adult. And the funny thing is, even though Link to the Past, like leaving aside Zelda 2, which is a sort of a separate offshoot that I know some people really love and some people don't. So just setting that aside, um, Zel- the original Legend of Zelda and uh, Link to the Past are the two I'm talking about now. And um, Link to the Past, I think, to a lot of people is the high point of the Zelda series, particularly the sort of 2D uh, Zelda's for whatever reason, I played those games like in close proximity and the original one I liked so much more because there was this extreme level of like mystique and yeah, well, solitude and like weird creepiness that I think people have made comparisons to dark souls and legend of Zelda one in, in that way where it, it has that sort of strange quality to it where you're not really sure what you're where you're supposed to go and yeah. like, it's not really designed in a way that is logical or like for a progression right whereas yeah i mean link to the past is very like oh no you're doing these things in this order and yeah, this is the thing you have to get this out. key from over here, link, and, like, over link here link to the like, past you can tell came out after metroid came out because it's a zelda it, it has yes. the same yep. combat mechanics and world mechanics of and zelda one but it's, of all but it's gated like a metroid yeah. where it's like there's three doors you can get into but you're gonna walk one room into each of them and figure out that only yep. one of those three temples can you actually get into the second room, mm-hmm. uh, which is very much the the Metroid structure. Whereas Zelda right. One, it seems more like you figure it out because you're just going to get wrecked yeah. in the other dungeons. Like yep. yeah, and and playing Zelda One, I, I think one of the reasons this is hard to talk about is that most people who are our age at this point either like have not played Zelda One and are not going to at this point, or they have this like deep knowledge of like where a lot of the secrets are and what you're supposed to do. Playing that game as an adult when you don't already have that knowledge is crazy. Man. <laughs> it is a weird experience. You and should, it's really you, like evocative and interesting and seductive. It's funny because you though, you're saying this about Zelda, uh, The Legend of Zelda and A Link to the Past, but I suspect that your opinion on Metroid is that you prefer Super Metroid? Um, is that only yes, because you... and that is because Zelda 1, or, I'm sorry, Metroid 1, I actually just sucked at to the point that I couldn't get anywhere. <laughs> okay. Like I literally could not 
progress in that game. That was so I also think Super Metroid's atmosphere and sort of Super Metroid's of unknowability and whatever is just... very similar between Metroid and Super Metroid. Yeah. But Super Metroid, yeah. well, leans so hard into the crazy yeah. weird tone and yeah. the sort of unknowableness. Like they they know that that's the feeling and just turn it up. I feel down, like you know, the yeah. other thing about Super Metroid that's interesting though, though, like watching modern speedruns, you kind of realize when I played that game originally. My like idea of how that game functioned was not that it was as perfectly gated as like everybody looks at that game as like oh this is the well, game where you gate things and like that's the progression is sort of A-B. there are perfect gates but you don't find them first you find right. all the imperfect you find everything ones else first but then what you realize though is like actually in kind of a weird sort of breaking the game Dark Souls way it's pr- I mean like and I did this even in some cases I can remember like watching a speedrun I go oh I actually did that out of like I, I played the game out of order originally and I just kind of made it work in the same way that we just pump yeah. like points into luck and somehow make it past a boss um like it's not as perfectly constructed or linear as it like if you just on paper you know game design of that game it yep. would seem that way, but in in practice, like it feels like something that's less knowable and and more well, sort of because diffuse. because it's still a systems driven game, right? So yeah. you can design it with a sort of critical path in mind of like, okay, mm-hmm. this is the ideal playthrough of this game. It's like yep. they unlock this, then they do this, then they do this. But like realistically, like you know, no plan survives learn... first contact with the enemy, and so the game the game's systems are robust yep. enough that they will not like collapse when the when a player who doesn't play your your ideal way ends up bashing against the yeah, wall. I think, I think, although I'm sure even by saying this, someone is going to tell me I'm wrong, but my experience with Link to the Past is that it is less that way. It's more like yeah, you, you, need, much, yeah, you yeah. need this special kind of bomb to get mm-hmm. to this door, and there's no end around, in part because I think there's just, there's no gravity. You can't, That's true. you can't, yeah. there's no physics system to subvert. Like, I mean, yeah. even just the presence of gravity in Metroid mm-hmm. means that there's like one completely programmatically driven yes. yeah, element yeah. in the game. I remember talking to... So you can to, go uh, crazy. To J.P. Uh, Lebreton, who has been on this podcast before um, and is, uh, you know, I worked with him at Double Fine and he worked on Bioshock 1 and 2 and just a really smart uh, game designer and person. And I remember talking to him one time when I was really into Spelunky and he, I think, appreciates Spelunky but never got into it the same way I did. And he was he was like, do you think that the like he was saying the, basically the thing that you guys are saying, he was like, do you think that the gravity adds something to that? Because J.P. is very interested in sort of top more top down um kind of Mm. roguelike and procedurally generated games um which is a which you know and he's like why do you think spelunky has this sort of like infinitely extendable uh kind of um like emergence and kind of crazy situations and i I think it, it is that gravity. It's gravity and well, physics. Which you can everything only... is programmatically driven to the bottom of the screen all the time if it's shaken loose. Yeah, which means yeah. that things can hit something else and cause a chain reaction yeah. in a way that it's just really hard to do without a game system that relies upon... Also, just the moment of like needing to leap, leap off a cliff, right? I mean, like just th- those moments, right, you just yeah. don't get in a game that is top-down, right? And I mean, go, there's just no equivalent. Super Metroid has a wall-to-wall jump that... You don't need to learn to complete the game, I don't think, but you can learn fairly early in the game. Yeah. And then you can just do weird shit. Like yep. there's a there's a thing where you end up in a super high vertical cavern that is totally an optional dead end and you see some like alien creatures wall jump up out of it and you realize that they're doing the same animation set as you and then if you can figure out on your controller how to do it, that's just a total skill-based traversal yeah. method you can learn. Well, even just the like triple bomb jump trick that people have done like i i'm sure that the you know the guys making that game had done that while they were making it and i'm i'm pretty sure i could be wrong but i think there are actually like 
areas of that level that so you can are bomb. explicitly there. If you can do this triple bomb jump, you can get to this thing. Otherwise, you can't. But so, like, I think that, you know. Yeah, that kind of yeah. gravity-based cascade reaction yep. just can't exist in a Zelda. I mean, maybe, like, you could bomb a guy off a cliff and then something else explodes, but it would just... Like, it's hard. You only it's have the space of, like, a... the, like, one-tile slide that an enemy has when hit or something as yeah. a sort of unknowable I think procedural people, space. Yeah. It, it's it's much more finicky. It's it's less... less More for, like, a speedrunner yeah, and I, less for, like, th- things that a person would actually do, right? right like, yeah. you can... Well, Metroid... Like, you, you run just... into a guy intentionally and then you bounce backwards and so you can get kind of, like, a weird, like... Sure, but in Metroid, ricochet, you spend your... Half a press. Yeah. The, the, way, the way that you try to push farther into the world of Metroid is by doing things like can I jump and make that jump or like right. if I slide off this is this a cliff or is it actually a cavern into another mm-hmm. part of the level and then you will end up naturally hitting soft exploits and that just doesn't you know anyway yep. we're I don't know we're way <laughs> Dark Souls what were we talking about I can't even remember what we were sequels talking about sequels to games sequels yeah. to games sort of Metroid streamlined things but yeah whatever yeah. Um, alright well that's that's Idle Thumbs I guess this week <laughs> thanks for listening to this podcast as we said, we have plenty of other podcasts at idlethumbs.net slash shows. Uh, you can write to this show at questions at idlethumbs.net. We've been getting really great email recently and uh, love reading it on the podcast. I've been replying to certain people who we who I knew we wouldn't get have time to uh, read on the air. But uh, that's questions at idlethumbs.net to send us mail. You can follow us on Twitter at idlethumbs. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash idlethumbs. And um, we will hopefully be trying to do some more streaming in the near future and we'll try to get that uh form thread going to be a place where we can um uh give sort of upcoming plans and and archive existing stuff and the idle forums are also just a really great community to hang around in um especially as we've been bringing more shows in and the community's been getting bigger it's a really good uh just all around community for talking about not just video games but all kinds of other stuff too if you just go to idlethumbs.net click the forums link and you will find it and that's that we will talk to you next week bye 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 goodbye